and get the touchdown, the second one. Noah Burnett gets it away, and it's good. Knicks, near side this time, another first down. Ferguson to tight end. He keeps moving on his feet. Look at the big fella, finally dropped. Knicks drops back, underneath, touchdown, Ducks! Wow! And watch as Knicks just retreats enough as the blitz is in his face and he sidearms this ball right there. He got the catch and then he tries to turn across the goal line. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 1st of January, 2023. Last year I did it the 2nd. I was going to wait to the 3rd, but... Oh, what the hell. The wife's working on a project. I came down. Let's do it. So instead of doing a political intro, I decided to do my magic duckies. Oh, wow. Maybe next year we'll have it together. I don't know. We lost to D.C. and the assistant D.C. And so we're starting from scratch and got a good recruiting class. But the problem with the Ducks, and I say it all the time, and the PR guy for the Ducks is a total dick face. He's bitch slapped me a lot. Um, he literally got pissed because I said it over and over. But unless you have continuity, unless you have continuity, you're never going to have a good team. It doesn't matter what you do. The reality is players can't get better if the system keeps changing. Our coaches keep changing. And that's why this transfer portal is killing people because people change over and they're like, fuck it. I don't want to start all over scratch. I got to get in the pros. And so they bail. So there's our lighter fare up front. I want to do um, some sound bites first before we get into the 
the good stuff. Oh, I'm going to go off about this shit. Our first one is fake. Just fake, fake, fake. Here is a COVID patient, and we'll talk about it afterwards, and all the worst to CNN in one tight little one minute and 40 second package. And this is for them. It's had a really huge impact on your family. You, you're not able to look after your kids at the moment. I haven't been working, like, I'm a single mom. It's not easy. Hello, I'm Paul Barry. Welcome to Media Watch. And that was single mum Ramona, one of 700 COVID patients hospitalised in Australia at the end of last month, who, along with two others in Sydney's Concord Hospital, was keen to warn people of the dangers of COVID by sharing heartbreaking stories about their illness from their hospital beds. So please get vaccinated. We shall get it beforehand. Shortness in breath, something attacking the, the lungs. It was, it was harsh. Footage of those patients, identified only by their first names, was recorded by Dr Lucy Morgan and released by New South Wales Health and made it onto all the major networks, including ABC News, 10 News First and 7 News. But soon, people on social media were wondering if the New South Wales Health video was actually a fake. And among the skeptics were... If you hoped politics would be calmer or kinder this year, you were disappointed. Anger, bitterness and mistrust dominated again, especially on one stunning day. story of the year, the Supreme Court scrapping Roe v. Wade, the case that for almost 50 years assured the right to an abortion. I remember just waking up that morning like, who we gotta fight? Who we gotta fight because that's a fight on my block. No justice, no Despite polls showing most Americans objected, red states rapidly rolled out bans. That was a huge, cataclysmic, seismic moment in American history. It changed something that most women took for granted. While activists promised even more. We will make it a crime in all 50 states to kill a baby. In my view, you've got to stand with women. Like why, why would you try to make a decision for a woman uh, or for anyone that matter. Let, let, let women have autonomy over their own bodies. Other rulings by the court's conservative majority thrilled some people and outraged others. At this point, the Supreme Court should be renamed the not even that good court. Worst purchase order in less than 300 characters. Billionaire Elon Musk's on again, off again, on again acquisition of Twitter. Oh, Elon Musk. Thank you for proving to us that you don't have to be smart or mentally stable to be a billionaire. Listen, space had a huge year. It was the first of several missions intended to put humans back on the moon, maybe by 2024. Then, who knows? I mean, if this means that we will really... So that is a paid actor. They had paid actors doing these commercials to try to fear people in about COVID. And now we know on the other side, there's people like me who got really fucked up. COVID's real, not saying it's not real. But the average person who was in good health wasn't overweight like me. You just got some sniffles and you moved on with life. But the COVIDistas just, you know, lying wasn't enough. We got to pay actors. And that's just shitty. And CNN, let's be honest, 
they're just garbage. So our next montage is fireworks from the briefing room. And I've edited it down because it's very long, but we would not have a year in review without this. I mean, we go from peppermint patty to a deranged cabbage batch, gay lesbian, that's why I got my job, read the wrong answers to questions, can't articulate a sentence with a thesaurus and a dictionary, but she's beloved by the media because she's gay, black, yada, yada. talked about um, gas prices, a way to speed up the lowering of gas prices is speed up the transition to those uh, clean energy. Um, gas prices have risen month over month, uh, every month since the president's been in office. So is the feeling then from the president that the American people just have to wait till 2030 when the president has set his goal for zero emissions or for half cars being sold with zero emissions? gas on February 14th was at, at a high, highest level since 2014. So it was already at an elevated level. I, I want to ask you... And the buildup of troops was even before that. I want to ask you about uh, tomorrow. We're going to get a CPI inflation number that's expected to be pretty big. Um, it, it's supposed to rise from the 7.5% mm -hmm. that it was month over month. So gas prices are part of that. I want to know what specifically uh, the administration has done, they've been working on, that has worked to bring down inflation. Why did you guys decide to rebrand the rising gas prices as the hashtag Putin price hike? I mean, if you want to use that on Fox, I welcome that. But oh, I think it'll get a lot of airtime because we have heard the president warn for months the gas prices were rising because of the supply chain and because of post-pandemic demand. If you guys knew for months that this was going to be the hashtag Putin price hike, why are we just hearing that now? You and the president. John, something you just said is not consistent with what we were told last year. You're saying that you've always known there was a small number of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. President Biden said, what interest do we have in Afghanistan at this point with al-Qaeda gone? Yeah, I mean, in a major way, al-Qaeda was not playing a, no, wait, let me, let me finish. They weren't playing a major role uh, in in operations uh, or resourcing or planning in Afghanistan. But Peter, I, I know specifically because I was at a different podium a year ago and we talked about the fact that Al-Qaeda had a presence in Afghanistan. So we know that the Taliban was harboring the world's most wanted terrorists. You guys gave a whole country to a bunch of people that are on the FBI most wanted list. What did you think was going to happen? I take issue with the premise that we gave a whole country to terrorist groups. I mean, again, I'd, 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 I'd encourage you to ask. The world's number one terrorist. How is that not giving a country to a, a terrorist sympathizing group, uh, if not giving them permission to have terrorists just well, sit on a balcony. The question, I mean, Peter, the way you asked that, it makes it sound like we owned Afghanistan. A follow-up about the MAGA Republican attention. So if we're all in agreement that it is incorrect to say the 2020 election was stolen, what about the 2016 election? Look, I'm not going to go back to where we were or what happened in 2016. We're going to focus on the here and now. We're going to focus on what's happening today, uh, this inflection point that the president pointed out. But just in trying to understand the new attention on the MAGA Republicans, you tweeted in 2016 oh, I knew this Trump was coming. stole an oh. election. 
I was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, here we go. You tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results yeah. is extreme now, yeah. why was so it So let's, let's be really clear. That that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have oh, been, yeah, I have ridiculous. been, well, you're asking me, you're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it was Wait, ridiculous. I was... I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. And here's the thing. I have said Governor Kemp won the election. Hey, I'm a realist. Every administration lies. That, that's just what they do. And by lie, we, we cook stats, stats. We talk about it all the show. Disproportionately affecting one-legged, black, trans, little people. And, and it's all math. It's stats. I've talked about it at nauseum on this podcast. So I won't do it so Matt in Oregon will puke in his cornflakes. But the reality is you're making it up. You're just making it up. You can fit things to make everything. My favorite story is all about, hold on, got to get my calendar right, boom. Um, A time when I was a director of a retail division and I got blamed for us not having a certain boot because my stores ordered too many boots. And the COO, who's a friend of mine and we keep in touch, he bought that shit. Then he went in a meeting with me and I said, does that make any fucking sense that we don't have boots because we overordered boots? And he looked at me and the bell went off that this girl was good with stats and she just showed we had so many back orders we couldn't get boots. And that wasn't the case. My managers were ordering boots because we'd get a shipment and they'd be out the door. Most of them already promised and pre-purchased because it was the Blackhawk desert boot. It was hotter than shit. So... Everybody does it. But these people went and way far too far with plaques to the Statue of Liberty and the First Amendment. And now they just go in there and let this cabbage patch lie. And it's okay. Just making shit up. And we started the last show with two minutes of we're not going to have inflation. Clearly we have fucking inflation. And I don't mind the lies because that's politics what i mind is a media that lets one team do it their team because they're all progs and the other not at the end of this little section here before we go into army and woke i got handed by a reporter we're going to read an article today it's a little long but they did one of those drag queen things and i automatically dogged it with stats and he didn't want to hear my stats he just kept saying read the article Read the article. That's all he replied to me because I was throwing stats at him because I'm well-versed on the fact that this is an agenda from the LGBTQ slash Democrats and media to make little activists. It's just like CRT, and it's damaging kids, especially young girls who now disproportionately, using your fucking language, are identifying as men. Because they're young girls and they want attention and it's hard enough growing up. And you have to try to be normal in the real world and digital. And what's the quickest way to be f- get a bunch of friends and likes? Say you identify as a unicorn. It works every time. Our next, and I, I'd be a shitty podcast host if I didn't do the best of Joy Reid. Or, excuse me, the worst of Joy Reid.
example. There was a time when people had the double hashtags around their names because they were Jewish, and right-wingers were saying, get in the oven anytime you made any benign comment on Twitter. They attacked women. The, the, you know, the misogyny was crazy on Twitter for a while. Elon Musk, I guess he, you know, he misses the old South Africa in the 80s. He wants, he wants that back. Yes, I edited them all down. That's all you get is 20 seconds. I'm sick of that lady. So let's do a couple slides here. This one really pissed me the fuck off. Afghan withdrawal left Biden frustrated and sleepless. And I literally lost my shit tweeting about this. Because let, let's rewind the tape. He made the president of Afghan, Afghanistan lie about what the Taliban was doing. Just lie. And we impeached a president for that. Remember, we have on tape Biden saying he told the uh, uh, prime minister or president, you remove this guy who's fucking with my son or you don't get aid. That's on tape. And that's cool. But there's actually audio that didn't become impeachment of him telling them to lie. And the Taliban was taking over the country. Then we withdrew. 13 people died. We left hundreds of Americans. It took NGOs to go in and get stuff. And I don't mean the CAA. I mean normal people. And you're frustrated and sleepless? What do you think it's like for vets, you cocksucker? Seriously, what do you think it's like for vets? I lost friends over there. I couldn't sleep for a long time because morning does sound like mortars. Because I fought in Afghanistan. And you literally just handed it back to the country. Or to the Taliban, excuse me. Handed it right back. But this will go over in the media like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Our next one, as you see it change over, House panel releases Trump's tax returns. Now, I know people are going to say you're supposed to do it, blah, 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 blah. But this was not done for any other reason other than they wanted to embarrass Trump. That's what they wanted to do. That's what they did. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's bad juju. That that just should not be happening whatsoever. There's a video here that I can't get of Biden signing bills and gloating over these bills. But what did these bills do? Does anybody know? Nothing. They're already starting right now the hey. We already had a project in the works and we're slapping our sign on it. It's right down the road from me. They're already lying. They're already lying. Because that's what they do. I don't have any more slides. We're just going to leave it on this. All right, next article is a lot of substacks like this. Letters from America just a year ago were focusing on Russian troops massing at the border, blah, blah, blah. And it's just... These journalists in Ukraine, I, I just don't get it. Our next soundbite, before we get into a serious one, is the best of climate. 
because this year, once again, we're all about climate again as he's forcing everybody to somehow get um, freaking battery-powered cars, which I have some videos that I hope I can grab in our woke section of people trying to charge their battery-powered car in negative 14, and it doesn't work. But I just, you know, I know there's climate change. I've driven from Sacramento to Oregon or to Beaverton, Oregon. What it looked like then in 2014 compared to when I was a kid, it's prairie now. It exists. But you motherfuckers have said global cooling, warming, climate change in my lifetime. Cooling, warming, climate change. And then you said we're all going to die in 12 years. And now you're using it as a political cudgel. Don't say you're not. That's what you're doing. It's all political. Well, this morning, western New York is bracing for up to 12 more inches of snow today after what is being deemed the blizzard of the century has left 28 people dead. Officials fear that number will rise after the storm dropped nearly 50 inches of snow, leaving thousands of customers without power or heat, leaving emergency vehicles struggling to reach drivers stranded in very dangerously cold temperatures. Polo Sandoval joins us again live in Buffalo, New York, with more Polo. Good morning. Again, it goes without saying thank you to you and your whole crew. You've been dealing with all of this, and it just continues. And now those frigid temperatures, Poppy, and with that rising death toll, uh, the reality is people here in Buffalo will always remember this as a blizzard. Flooding, heat, and hurricanes, just some of the elements Mother Nature unleashed during 2022. Here's CNN's chief climate correspondent, Bill Weir. I'm Bill Weir with the top 10 climate stories of 22, a year that started with a bang. The tsunami advisory is now in effect for the entire U.S. West Coast and Alaska. An undersea volcano near the island nation of Tonga erupted with such force, the ash cloud blew 35 miles into the stratosphere. The boom was heard in Alaska, and tsunami waves took two lives across the Pacific in Peru. At number nine, some of the world's most important rivers fell to sobering levels, from Italy's Po to Germany's Rhine, to the not-so-mighty Mississippi, where the Army Corps of Engineers is still dredging as fast as they can to keep billions worth of goods and grain moving to market. At number eight, a surprise reversal in coal country gives the U.S. its most ambitious climate laws in history. But with unwavering conviction, commitment, and patience, progress does come. The Biden promise to make America greener was all but throttled by West Virginia's Joe Manchin until four days of secret horse trading with Chuck Schumer put the Inflation Reduction Act on the president's desk. While environmentalists resent some of the concessions given to big oil, analysts say the rich incentives for people and companies to electrify could get the country most of the way towards Biden's carbon-cutting goals. At number seven, Nicole became the first hurricane to hit the Atlantic coast in the second week of November. The intensity of the rain and wind have certainly gone up. And the unusually late arrival brought a 500-mile wind field during outrageously high king tides. The combination cost five lives and almost two billion in damages. At number six, the 27th attempt at world cooperation on climate action went into overtime 
as poor nations pleaded with rich ones to finally start picking up the tab for loss and damages. Clearly, this will not be enough. In the end, almost 200 nations agreed to set up a fund to help the most vulnerable. But a global pledge to phase out fossil fuels was stonewalled by oil-producing nations. And number five, an increasingly unpredictable water cycle. Yep, it's just all fucking politics now. Next, we have a MSNBC on the 30th December. We ignored Timothy McVeigh after Oklahoma City. And that, my boys and girls, is a fucking outright lie. Um, tell me how we begin if we can't acknowledge that truth that you just laid out there um, for everyone to see. How do we begin a counter-extremism effort if you've got one of the country's two parties refusing to call it that? And I want to push back on the on the narrative of Republicans that I generally don't get political, but strictly from a homeland security and intelligence standpoint, the radical violent right is not nearly as dangerous or um, well-equipped uh, to attack uh, the homeland as, as the left. Uh, we've been ignoring the violent right for decades. You can go back to Timothy McVeigh and Eric Rudolph. And so this problem has been brewing for a while. I will tell you as, a, as someone who studies this, that the uh, disproportionate amount of our homeland security, intelligence, and uh, domestic uh, terrorism efforts going back to the civil rights era have been really um, targeted towards black and brown individuals, which really buttresses what we saw on January 6th. Um, the, the taped recordings, the transcripts rather, um, from the uh, DC National Guard General, uh, that's now the uh, House Sergeant of Arms, Sergeant uh, uh, General Walker, former General Walker, said it very clearly that had those been black and brown people on January 6th, that would have been uh, unfolded it differently. It would have in the woke category. This happened this weekend, and it's in regards to the border, which we're not touching today, but we should touch the border every fucking day because the border is just out of control. I mean, it's just fucking out of control. I I don't understand. why the media is all invested in this and makes no sense. But this guy made this quip during a bowl game and he is indefinitely suspended. It's the Sun Bowl. And amongst all the illegal aliens down in El Paso, it's UCLA 14 and Pittsburgh 6. That's with 11.15 to go in the second quarter. Let's go to the sidelines. Tony Haynes. Well, NC State, uh, not a lot of depth in the secondary. Go a couple climate things that I missed, and I, I don't know what, what they're doing over at the New Yorker, but this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. They're trying to expound upon young kids being scared by climate. The, the the left is constantly using LGBT, CRT, and climate to once again make little fucking activists. And it's sick. If the right was doing it with Christianity, oh, it, there'd be a problem. Then you got this fucking bumbling, only can talk like Tyra says with bongos, 
Thanks for funding from our Inflation Reduction Act, the U.S. Postal Service held a near 66,000 electric trucks committed by 2028. This means clean air for communities and our nation's postal workers. Well, let's break something down. I have not had consistent mail out here since the snow. It took them one week to get it, and then now they can't catch up. So we're getting mail when we used to get it at 3, sometimes at 6 o'clock, and they're delivering it all over the fucking neighborhood, all fucked up. Like, I got some pencils my wife got me, and they were just gone. Somebody found them and brought them back to me. Of course, climate change, how much we are affecting it seems to be in question at times. Also, the predictions are always more dire than it ends up being. I remember Captain Planet, et cetera, growing up, and they were doing the 10 years to save the planet then. And she's right. You keep on doing dire predictions because I know it benefits you. And then you write dumbass shit like this. This is from the beginning of the year, if you remember. It would be terrible if we had that. It would just be terrible. What are we going to do if we fucking have a nuclear war? We'll, We'll be dead. So it really fucking won't matter what the planet's like. We'll all be dead. You understand? A nuclear war. Browning. Can't see shit. We're all fucked. You understand that, right? Nothing grows. Nuclear winter. Did you ever watch the day after? I'm just asking for a friend. Then we have this fucking horse shit from Washington Post. Oh, I didn't get it. Sorry. Washington Post. Well, let me put it in. This, this, this is the kind of shit that... I don't know. Let me get it right. I'll slap it right over this bad boy. This is that dire stuff. And it always coincides somehow, some way with... Where's she at? Right there. Boom. It always coincides with the weather. So if we're having bad this... It comes out as that. If we have bad that, it comes out as this. Where the fuck did I put it? A toll extreme weather took in the U.S. during 2022 by the numbers. And let me see what they said. Flooding. Um, I don't see numbers. 7,472,995. The number of acres burned. Nine. Number of inches rainfall once in an area. 2.5 degrees warmer than average. The continuous nine cents. 1,200 number of years since America West experienced such a prolonged drought. Uh, third, even a science of federal officials are telling a total Hurricane Ian seems to be destined to become the third most destructive. I just want to bring up, I'm not caring anymore of that shit because I'm fucking done with them. I just want to bring up that you guys said after Katrina we would have those like 10 a year. We'd all be underwater. I was told when I was a kid we'd be underwater. I was told by the day after we'd be under snow. I was told by all sorts of videos we'd be underwater. I played the Leonard Nimoy that we'd all be dead. But we're clearly not. We've done so much to reduce carbon. You made it laws left. So now cars, even trucks, don't put out the same thing. My Jeep had eco. You could turn it off. Which made it get 20 miles to the gallon, which is pretty good for V6, Jeep, with low gears, tow package. So stop. You can always get people to come on board with fear, but the most of us are seeing it now and going, you guys are full of fucking shit. So 
Somehow, some way, I went down the rabbit hole this week. And Brandy Zadrowski came in to my Twitter feed. And this lady, I realized, usually on our year in review, I'm doing a Brian Seltzer. Because he's a fucktard who says he's objective. And he's the oddbudsman for CNN, but he never covered CNN. He covered a shit. New for me at Phil McCusland. Anti-trans activists have reached a new nader targeting children, hospitals, and doctors for harassment and violent threats. To date, there's only one article, that guy, Will Carell, that I will cover, that's actually gone someplace and shown people carrying guns, and they were not righties. He was at that one I showed the other day. Her next tweet feels like a fever dream. Twitter, of course, new antitrust safety, so the platform is emphasizing moving swiftly and adding problematic content. Even it means figuring out some specifics later. For now, I think we're we're biasing towards moving quickly and figuring out the details of some areas, Ella Irwin said. Mr. Irwin said that Twitter has moved too slowly in the past. Mr. Irwin said, Ms. Irwin and Twitter's evaluate itself based on visibility. If you were to tweet something that had some hateful slur in it, we may de-amplify the tweet, she says. Because she's a seltzer. She wants to censor you. I'm a player of greatest hits right now. In a war against truth, journalism, I guess I should flip the slide. Journalism can look like activism, but the truth is Ben Collins is a stellar reporter and the best suffers when he's not on it. I stand by one underscore. His work stand on his own. That's their new way of saying, yes, we're activists. Go fuck yourself. Because liberals are truthful. Non-progs are not. I never fight this as a conservative. I'm not a conservative. I might lean right on, well, abortion. It it should be limited to this first, second trimester because it's actually a baby now. They get born at 22 weeks, so why are you killing it afterwards? I'm conservative on a border, I guess. But Latinx are more against the border antics that's going on right now. I don't think you should be turning kids who belong to their parents into little activists that think America's garbage under CRT or all of them want to chop their wangs off and get vaginas. I just don't think that's right. I think at 18, you can be a unicorn. I've said it numerous times on the show. I don't give a fuck. That's your world. Be a dude chick. Be a chick dude. I don't give a fuck. I don't care what you suck. I don't care what you fuck. I don't care how you dress. Once you hit 18, you do you, I do me. The problem with all of this and these Zandroskis and all the media, it's no longer you do you. It's you must embrace this. That's why I pay, played the will convert your children. That's not a joke. That That's what they want to do because they know if they can convert all these kids to be allies, they'll vote Democrat. It's all politics. It's not anything but politics. Democrats and the media don't give a fuck that there's all these kids that are detransitioning and their lives are ruined. Their bodies are fucking scarred. They're mentally fucked because it's a mental illness. It always was a mental illness. 
she tweeted this dude's thread, the war against truth, journalism can look like activism. Oh, I'm on the wrong one. Teddy Wilson. There it is. Uh, she added my internet, Brandy Zadrowski, embedded in your essential guide, The Good of the Internet by Kate Lindsay. Most week we quiz on everything online, and this is all liberal shit. And I want to make sure we understand who this woman is before I play her, her worst hits. Damn it. It's not going to let me do it. We're going to do this. We're doing it live, goddammit. Let's reduce the image so I can get it in the capture. We got a big army thing, so I'm trying not to fuck up the army. Uh, let's do this. Boom. This is the lady I'm talking about. And it didn't hit me to this weekend that we've played a lot of her shit because she's a fucking fascist. She's an outright fascist. End of your thread. There's been a lot that has happened this year in the world of far-right extremism. Here's the best reporting, research, and analysis on various sectors of the far-right. Who were the January 6th attackers? The politics of the Capitol insurrection. Congress eyeing dumpster fire of hate talk and spy agency chat rooms. Understand, the January 6th was in 2020. That's, they're just obsessed. They need it in the media. You've got to have it because you don't have anything else. They're trying to tie this parents going to school boards and parents picketing with signs out of gay uh, trans library hour as extremism. They rolled out the white Christian nationalists. That didn't work. I mean, they're trying everything. So they go back to January 6th because that's the only thing you really got. A bunch of shitheads that did one thing wrong one day. And they gleefully forget about the summer of unrest for Floyd. Advocates worry about uncommon but growing radicalization amongst veterans. That's from 2020. He's still carrying it over. The growing religious fervor in the American right. Because if you believe in God, you're a piece of shit. Stranger dangers. The right history of turning child abuse into political weapon. Is that just the most fucking hypocritical thing you've ever seen? I mean, literally. How red states plan to reach beyond the borders and outlaw abortion. They just do not like that red states have different morals of them. And why would they have different morals? Maybe because they're not you. And they believe you can have your abortion till college. What is wrong with you guys? You're the fucking fascist. I'm telling you, these people are the fascist. When hate goes viral, publicizing attacks and exploiting social media in the new normal. The in intoxicating pleasure of conspiracy thinking. What a remorseful January 6th insurrection, I said. She's always. Alex Jones. From orange to red, an assessment of dark mega, deep mega, mega mega. The wellness of white supremacy pipeline. Anti-vaxxers. That was uh, two years ago, but it's cling to it, buddy. How the far right is turning feminists into fascists. Because feminism is coming back because you guys are saying dudes should take all the women's awards and now they're evil. You see where it goes? Anything against what they believe in is now extremism. They love Jesus, born, liver, and incels. 
That was years ago with fucking Joker, but okay. Moms for Liberty have created a nightmare for schools. Doug Mastriano, Christian Aslan in the cult of the AR-15. Sorry, I got an AR-15. It's right there. I, I don't want to shoot people. Overly white supremacist ideology is being sanitized and mainstreamed. White nationalists are flocking to the U.S. anti, and they're showing the march for life. Majority Christian teen kids and college kids. Uh, I'm not reading anymore. This dude's, he's trapped in 2020 and he can't get away from it because that's literally all they have. They don't have anything else. Journalists we said goodbye to. Jeff Zucker, Brian Seltzer, Jeffrey Tubin, John Harwood, Tiffany Cross. What do all those people have in common, my friends? They were horrible activists. They weren't journalists. So here is the best of or worst of, and I'm going to do it as our media jerk off because she is now beloved by the fascist left because that's what they are. They're the fascist left. This is the worst of Brandy Zadosky from 2022. I'm not going back to 2021 or 2020 like they do. She did a lot of bad this year. My little politics, the media jerk off of the week. I can't imagine you're surprised to hear that. But but when it comes to vaccines specifically, why are these rumors so powerful? What makes them so viral? Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Um, when we see the rumors that Dr. Patel just mentioned, you know, we can almost always track them back to the platforms. That's definitely true the, for the fertility um, misinformation. Um, as for why they're so powerful, uh, they play on people's biggest fears, right? The death or injury of you or a loved one. Um, but that you have to combine that with a couple of things. One is the widespread mistrust of media like you and me um, and deep political polarization. But then you also have to combine it with the way social media works and the social media strategy for amplifying and spreading the worst content. And with all of that, it's just a recipe for virality and stickiness. But I, I, you always hear and read about Facebook and these other social media sites taking steps and employing, you know, armies of people to, to stop the spread of misinformation, of downright false information. Uh, and it's not just Facebook. I mean, WhatsApp apparently has become wildly popular with regards to spreading misinformation about vaccinations. Are there things that these companies can do that they're not doing? That's a really good question, and it's tough um, because the anti-vaccination messaging is incredibly powerful. It's often spread with stories of injured uh, women and people who are saying that they've been injured uh, that, that we can't fact check, right? Um, and But it's partly because of the way it spreads. So we tend to blame a few bad actors, a few of the sort of entrepreneurs who've made a big audience for themselves on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. But that's not really how this stuff spreads, right? It spreads via your Crunchy Moms group or your local PTA group. 
um, or you get a, a new video that's just like automatically shown, like served up to you. So one thing that, that a researcher did tell me that, that platforms could do that they're not currently doing is uh, work together. And it sounds really easy, but they don't currently do that. And what it was described to me as is sort of if you have an ant problem in your yard and you clean it up, that's fine. But what happens is that the ants will just crawl into your neighbor's yard. And that's what happens with this misinformation is it jumps platforms. And so researchers tell me that it's a cross-platform problem and it requires a cross-platform approach. And we just currently don't see that. Not, not, to, not to oversimplify, but would it also be helpful if folks were just a little bit more discerning, a little bit more skeptical, not believing everything they see or read in a Facebook chat room or a text that they get from a friend in WhatsApp? I know it's not really a I question, mean, you're Randy. I, that's just more of me. <laughs> your lips to God's ears. It is my my prayer each night, believe me. Um, but but it is hard because social media is very, very new. And it's uh, it's a way to connect with people and access information that's just never been around before. And people are just sort of getting used to it. It's hard to blame people in that way. Uh, it's really a lot easier, I think, is to put that responsibility on social media platforms and say, how can you be good stewards of information? But, but I get you. Dr. Patel, I want to read, read you a, a Missouri hospital leader's strong message to people who are spreading vaccine rumors. This is Cox Health CEO. His name is Steve Edwards. He recently tweeted, quote, if you are making wildly disparaging comments about the vaccine and have no public health expertise, you may be responsible for someone's death. Shut up. His words, not mine. How, how much of an influence, Dr. Patel, can, can local medical voices like this hospital CEO have? NBC News senior reporter Brandy Zadrozny. Brandy, you know, Elon Musk has said he wants to make Twitter about free speech. What the conversation has been lately is about hate speech on the platform. You talk in this new piece about how Musk's Twitter is beginning to take shape. So what shape is that? Yeah, we are beginning to see, I think, the effects of Elon Musk's policies, um, or really better yet, we should call them whims, on Twitter. And Twitter is now turning into a place where, according to the data that we looked at and independent researchers and users themselves who are fleeing the platform, um, where neo-Nazis and white supremacists and um, conspiracy theorists, where hate speech is allowed where anti-LGBTQ hate speech is allowed and even appreciated, and where harassment really is part of the price of admission. Now, whether people want to be a part of this new Twitter, Twitter 2.0, you know, we'll really have to wait and see. But, you know, prominent people are leaving, and we talk about that in the piece. The LGBT community has always been a subject of hatred for a certain brand of fringe kind of person, right? But something happened in March and April of this year. And in March and April of this year, as the far right-wing conservatives sort of got over CRT or critical race theory, they needed a new boogeyman. And they left on LGBTQ community members, specifically trans people, their doctors, their caregivers, libraries that had books that were LGBTQ. LGBT focused. Um, this was really just sort of the cause celebre on the far right. Um, since April, we've also seen a one-to-one -one correlation with 
um, violence, harassment, assaults, real-world violence in this community. Pride events were disrupted. There were 31 uh, neo-Nazis were arrested back in August at a pride event in Ohio, in Idaho. Um, librarians being assaulted, uh, trans librarians being assaulted. It's just been really, really bad. And it, the rhetoric has ramped up so much that it's um, people that we were talking to since April about this, that were the subject of this, they were saying repeatedly, we're waiting for an instance of real world violence where people are going to get killed. And here it is. And and we've also seen, and, and there was a lot of conversation about this, um, the Denver Post covered it, about drag shows being targeted. What is going on with that? Yeah, because they targeted drag shows a lot. And in part because um, Drag Time Story Hour, where a drag queen would come, it was a ubiquitous in libraries all over the country had it. A drag queen would come read a story. It was fun. The kids loved it. Um, and then also some sort of um, friendly, friendly drag shows. It would be on a Sunday brunch. You could bring the kids. They'd see a show. And the far right conservatives left on this and they put it together with, frankly, the QAnon narrative that's been out. And it was they're out to get your children. The demonization, dehumanization, and moral panic around children in our community somehow being threatened by LGBTQ teachers, librarians, performers, that is the thread that's going through. And when you demonize someone to that extent and you make them feel like an existential threat to you and your children, it's no wonder, again, that we get this kind of violence. So one of the key things we're looking for at this. Brandy Zedrozny of NBC News, for example, we showed a clip of her the other day talking in her sing-songy voice about how we're going to need a lot more censorship in this country. Mm, yeah, just for your own good. No, you can't go to the bathroom. Shut up and obey. Right? Right? Okay. This is the face of soul-crushing fascist liberalism. This is not what we've had before. This is what we have now. And people like Brandy Zdrozny are at Stormtrooper. She literally wrote a guide for how to reveal where people live, how to dox them if they are guilty of wrong think. This is a person who targets anonymous posters online if they disagree with her and then sits back and watches what happens. In a lot of cases, their lives are destroyed. And for that, for that service, that dutiful service to the people in charge, corporate media celebrates her as a hero. Now that last one is like 28 minutes. And once again, I, I know for them, this is literally a political tool and when you say things over and over and over, you know, it starts as a political thing. We've got to silence the right so we can get our shit out. And then you all of a sudden say over and over that they're a danger, they're a danger, this is fascist, and we got to fight the fascist. And then all of a sudden you start believing it. And you don't see you are the fascist. You are the person that went too far. You are the guy that's literally just gone too far you, you you become fascism and it is just insane that in this day and age because of trump living in their head rent free these people have just gone too far they they just don't even notice how far they've gone. And 
it, it's it's pretty fucking scary. I, I I just the building of affordable housing. I, I don't think I ever in my lifetime this would think that I'd watch the, um, the media say the words they're saying. That parents pushing back on the transing of their kids makes them terrorists. I mean, remember, the, this administration sick the DOJ on it. The DOJ isn't going after bombers and shooters or, or Antifa. I mean, they just got a bunch of Antifa guys, gave them bail. That didn't happen for January 6th people. And these people are planning to kill people. January 6th didn't kill anybody. The media keeps saying it. Nobody was gored with a, a fucking fire extinguisher. They all fucking died of natural causes. But we didn't go after those people. We're going after pro-life. Pro-life is under attack. They're going after people praying on sidewalks, which is incredibly scary if you think about it. Um, they, they have just gone too far, and they're not stopping. So when I ran into this Will Carlos guy and the USA Today, a Gannett, which is highly liberal. It's always been liberal. I used to love it as a kid. I read it in the army. And then I just stopped because all it said is everything I believe in, gun culture, God, the nuclear family, America, the flag is all evil. I stopped. This guy is hounding me to read his article, which we're about to do. But I'm going to introduce ourselves because i don't know what he looks like to will carlisle so roanoke is just a community just a few miles up north it's a place that uh, is really really known for its wonderful restaurants um so yeah it's just up the street one of the suburbs i guess of fort worth we got out of the car and i looked over and there were people dressed in full black with guns slung around their, um, their back. And I looked closer and I noticed that they had like rainbow patches and I saw a trans patch and I thought, I think they're friendlies. <laughs> In Roanoke, there was a drag brunch held at a restaurant owned by a family. What it culminated in was uh, a number of photos, videos that uh, were quite striking. I'm here to support people that don't indoctrinate and groom little eight-year-old kids. Hey, Blue! Hey, Blue! She just spit on me! Uh, there were minor scuffles between the protesters and, uh, you know, the anti-fascists that were there to sort of effectively act as a buffer between uh, the attendees and the protesters. Like, that was the first time I was like, oh, wow, we're at this point. Like, we're at a point where we have to be defending ourselves with, like, with weapons because people are threatening us on a daily basis. Well, Roanoke's a small town. There's, there's all kinds of people living here, but that kind of happens in Dallas. You know what I'm saying? And I think the morning of the event, um, we got a picture with like a bunch of armed, masked people standing in front of the building. Um, and I mean, my blood ran cold. Like, I don't care if you run around masked with guns, I don't care. But when there are children in the vicinity, that is, that is very irresponsible. And, and I, I feel the same about anybody that brings violence to any society. I don't, I don't care who it is. You know, I was thankful that they were there to make sure, because basically they were there protecting the drag queens. We actually spoke to one of them inside, and I asked, who are y'all? I didn't even know. 
I, I basically said, I didn't know that liberals carried guns like that. <laughs> I just didn't know. I said, what are we doing out here? The Roanoke event was one of a, a series of events. At those other events, there had been members of the Proud Boys. There had been members of the Proud Boys with bear mace. Uh, wearing, you know, gloves that are designed for fighting, that have reinforced knuckles, um, other things like that. To think that there are people out there that are saying that, like, kids being exposed to this is dangerous to them, it, it kind of blows my mind because I'm like, I literally know kids that have tried to take their lives, their own lives, because of the type of oppression and bullying that they got. And then drag was able to pull them out of that dark place. We want people to come to our shows that are appropriate age for the certain shows that they are. So if it's at a bar and it's 21 and up, of course we're not asking kids to come out to that. If it's pride and it's a public event where everyone can celebrate their identity and who they are and kids are there, please, we want you to come out. Like if I am told, hey, there are children in the audience or hey, this is a more conservative type show, I'm gonna change what I do and I'm gonna make sure my entertainers do the same thing. What we want is we wanna show that this community is welcoming and that if at any time you don't feel like you can be yourself, the drag community, the LGBTQ community can be that welcoming family for you. This magical turnout y'all have here proves that love beats hate. You know, everybody knew what was going on outside, but inside, Everybody was laughing and having a good time. And I would say there were old people, there were young people, there were straight, there were gay. I mean, it, it really was everybody. And when we got in the car, my kid said it was one of the best things he'd ever done. When the men dress up like women, it's the highest heels, the most makeup, the longest eyelashes, the tightest clothing. So it is the sexualization of a female. And that's what's presented no matter how tame it is to the children. And that's my problem. So I don't understand why we can, why can't we just keep kids away from all of this? I have no wish whatsoever to take my children to anything like that. Even if they, I don't care how they pan out. And I mean, I will love them no matter how they turn out, but I'm not taking them to things to reaffirm what they believe. My point is the event should not have happened because that would have just, then nothing would have happened. If, again, if it was a Friday night for a bunch of adults, there would have been a few people complaining, but for the most part, nobody would have batted an eye. I don't think that allowing children to transition and celebrating that is the right thing to be doing. I think that taking them to some therapy and sitting them down and getting to the bottom of the issue, you know, why are you feeling this way? I think that's the appropriate response. I'm so terrified for the kids who don't have a family like ours, but who have children like mine. And I saw in my kid, he felt love and acceptance. The idea that there's a kid who can go to a, a, a family drag brunch and see love and acceptance, I, I just don't I, don't, I don't, I don't see how it's bad. I just don't. They might feel like that sort of event is where they belong, I guess. Um, I still feel like it's not. You know, I might gain some insight from talking to a drag queen as to what their motives are, but at the same time, given that my issue is when children are going to the shows, I don't see it being too beneficial to sit down and talk to one. I think there's a, there is a deeper motivation here in terms of uh, affecting policy, 
um, at school board and state level when it comes to education, you know, sort of the broader push around affecting school board policies and elections, the framing of children, the books that they're exposed to, the education that they're exposed to, the tie-in here with the drag brunches is that, you know, oh, it's another form of corrupting our youth and we've got to fight back and stand against it. And so um, I think these battles in the school boards and, you know, sort of uh, tangentially around them are causing division in communities that previously may have been known for being sleepy. So this drag brunch came to my attention when um, this group of parents in the community who goes out and ultimately hunts down teachers that they don't agree with, somehow found the invitation to the drag brunch on Facebook. Teachers, teachers, any teachers in the audience? Within a few hours, once it was over, uh, it was a full-on witch hunt where they were naming teachers. They were saying, look at this picture. Everyone look at these pictures. Are there any teachers in these pictures? Have we informed the school board members? And people are like, yes, the school board knows. We're, we're calling the principals. We're going to get these people fired. This is child abuse. I mean, some of the comments were abhorrent. So the teachers did not get fired. Um, the teachers' jobs were safe because they didn't do anything wrong, right? Like, teachers can go to a drag brunch on a Sunday morning if they want. So this is my vanity. It's never really an issue about the kids. It's not. It's about queer culture and queer people being present in the mainstream. And that's the question I hope people ask is like, are we protesting kids being at drag brunches or are we protesting LGBT people? That whole moment, that day, to me, Okay, I had a little video, but that was his, um, the video that came with the article, so I played it. But this, this is, and I won't go through all the slides um, of me replying, but this is how it all went down. He put this up. I replied with stats on his thing. He ignored it. In late August, an all-age drag show in a small Dallas suburb of Roanoke was protested by conservatives. Also, there was Elm Fork JBGC dressed in all black and carrying ARs. How did America get here? We set out, and he said, we did a deep, deep dive. We really worked hard. And I said, this is journalism in the age of progressive bias. Since 2007, hospitals have opened clinics, schools, social media have pushed transing the youth. And at an alarming rate, young girls have started identifying as males. Then libraries started pushing drag story hours. So he said, read it. I said, um... First, I'm an independent, non-mega normal dude. I've read most, will cover all of my fam friendly uh, friend Bush League podcasts. I'm sure you worked hard, but USA Today Gannett is generally leans light, left. This issue specifically, in my opinion, has been carried by the media as home a transphobe being mean to LGBT. Yet from a normal rude perspective, my tweet stands. The LGBT push with schools, hospitals, sprouting kid clinics, media pushing, eventually people were going to push back. And there's not terrorists. They just want to protect their kids. And Statistically, the amount of kids all of a sudden identifying in the area where schools pushed is shocking and timed right with this push. Girls, specifically young girls who are susceptible need to need for attention. In my opinion, media overall default, this is normal, just surprises me. One question. If Christian book reading at libraries happens, schools forcing religion behind parents' back, and a religious group forcing things, would media say that's okay? Call people pushing back at mostly school boards terrorists? Blame them for power station attacks? 
And that's, we've documented it. That's, that's what these people have fucking done. They've literally said that the parents asking school boards to pull that shit out of the schools, we asked it to stop. Did they? No. They didn't. This, once again, before I read this article, this is normal. This is in the White House. Show me your dick. 40% of students identify as LGBTQ at liberal arts. Some colleges, 70. And this is my thesis right there. Look at that. That's facts. That's not made up. That's not right-wing bullshit. It's not misinformation. This is what they've done. So we're going to skim this article because he told me to. The air after fall rain is, well, fuck that shit. The trees at Oak Street rustle in the breezes, people. The end of the new city hall, all 30,000 square foot. They're serving samples that everyone can have a taste. They're here for food because Roanoke is all about restaurants. Unique dining capital of Texas. So the highlight of the Veterans Parade and Classic Car Show tonight might really be a cookout where restaurants, da-da-da-da-da. It's easy to forget that a little more than two months earlier in the heat of Texas summer, Jay Anderson and his son Bailey opened up their door for brunch and walked right in the middle of a fight that everybody knew was simmering, but nobody thought would ever explode in this little city. But the explosion was very real, and it all happened because in late August, the Andersons including three words when they posted a new event. The event was Drag Show. The Barrel Babe Drag Show Brunch. A drag show alone might have been enough to whip up reaction in Roanoke, but the event posted included three other crucial words. All ages welcome. To the Anderson, simple. There would be a brunch. There would be families and would be drag performance, starting with Bailey, who had been forming drags since 2017. But from the start, things were complicated. The objection for City Hall, the email campaign to shut it down, the laser faucet. All age drag bunch of Texas protesters, armed supporters. And that's just replaying what I already played. It's hard to imagine Bailey had called police departments for miles around to discover that nobody would help with security or that a protest planned for the drag brunch caught the eye multi-agency police fusion center in the next county over. And all of that was enough that was before the black cat clad leftist showed up, well, at least he labeled them, to protest Anderson Distillery and their clients and face mask and body armor stand up for conservative protesters. Before the screaming and the public praying and the shouts about pedophiles and abuse and grooming and puberty blockers and a lot of things that were never really about Anderson or brunch or even drag at all. Before the people from the right wing website, the YouTube channel showed up, before the false stories on Twitter and outrage interviews on Fox News, before the Anderson landlord had them sign a promise they would never do this again, before they had to pin up a map they call the wall of hate just to keep track of all the abusive phone calls. The Andersons know all that now, but there's something they didn't know yet. On the November day at the cook-off, the Andersons don't know that in just two weeks, another person in another state will walk into another bar that's hosting a drag show, that this person will be carrying an assault rifle and an open fire, and at the time, there'll be no armed leftists in the body armor to stop what happened, just patrons. They don't know now, nobody knows it yet, but, but nobody will soon, that five people will be slaughtered at a drag show at a bar in Colorado, and it was a lefty. See what they do? They do this all the time. He was a lefty. It's been proven he was non-binary, but no, it's a righty. Jay Anderson, sweating and breathless, rushing to fill more free samples. I'll be there and seat you, he says. Then he made a sharp right to mix the cheese station and starts scooping a little faster. Dragon America, and he goes through the whole RuPaul and all the bullshit, and it boiled on this event. 
Soon videos captured at some of these events become featured on Fox News, Primetime, Conspiracy Theory websites. Snippets of videos showing performers using dirty words or zoomed in on faces children appear uncomfortable. Outraged commentators fill in the gaps. Like other targets that precede them in polarized America, critical race theory, COVID vaccine mandates, the idea of white privilege, all age drag events become a new moral battleground. Some conservatives, joined by extremists from the far right, including white supremacists and proud boys, stepping in to quite literally stop abusers and pedophiles from preying on innocent children. On the other side, drag performers, the businesses host them, and the pro-LGBT groups say all-age drag show help break down stigmas and serve as a vital lifeline. The goal with these shows is to express camaraderie to make an over-display of solidarity by appearing in person. Children experiencing gender dysphoria, distress based on the difference between gender they experience and the gender they are assigned at birth, are far more likely to harm themselves or die a suicide, said Sam Ann for the Trevor Project. Once again, Will, who's probably not watching this, that was based on a survey of self-reported by kids to GLAAD. And all kids are suicidal. I was suicidal, and I was happy with my fucking functions. I was good with my genitalia. When we're normalizing and destigmatizing things like drag shows, we're helping create a supportive environment. And while drag shows may help transgender children, they're not the only ones who could benefit, said Well. The adolescent girls have eating disorders or slut-shamed or told that they're worth their peace, their parents. Boys are told they can't cry, blah, blah, blah. Experts like Beshel will tell you that while gender roles can be taught, think men don't cry, gender identity is almost always consistent from an age. The whole controversy perplexes drag performers who find themselves at the risk of physical attacks or shows that claim are intentionally tamed down for family audiences. And that might be the way it starts understanding what happened in Roanoke, what happened in the suburbs and small towns all across America that summer. It starts because everybody says they're doing it to protect the kids. I'm just going to go through this. Trish Delish. Drag performers don't necessarily have any connection to transgender issues. Many of the performers who dress at women identity and males and treat their drag purely as performance art. While drag performers may be gay men, they don't have to be. While some might be transgender, they're hardly the point. But the people who oppose these shows say the issues are all entwined. For them, all-age drag shows have become a stand-in for broader political debate raging in many states over the right of transgender and gender-questioning children. In Texas, long before what happened in Roanoke, Governor Abbott put a bullseye on the backs of these kids and families. In February, he ordered the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate parents who give gender-affirming medical care to the transgender children, something he called child abuse. Gender-affirming. Well, Will, giving kids the opposite hormones actually leads to more suicides than gender dysphoria and ruins them for life, and maybe they're going to change their mind like 80% do. You need to investigate Will Steyer. He's a guy who went... Boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. Abbott campaign staff later called the conference show a political winner. It was blocked by judge in March, blah, 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 started mid-20. Activists and social media influencers intensifies their scrutiny of all-age drag events, and Jared Holt, a senior researcher. There was a whole slice of right-wing media that essentially devoted itself to throwing fits over all-age drag brunches. Perhaps the most notorious example was a Twitter account that posted almost continually about age. And here we go. Libs of TikTok. Libs of TikTok is posting what they're saying. 
Tucker Carlson. Short clips were played. And then we were a 22-year-old straight out of college named Kelly Niebert for her protesting drag shows and assisting their connected transgender issues have become a full-time job. And she was about to help turn Roanoke, the buildup. And neither speaking of protest kids. One of the protesters, I'm completely against child transition of any sort. If they're under 18, I don't believe they should be allowed to medically transition. But neither in our organization don't regularly appear to protest medical clinics or hospitals or search because they're under academic centers. They just go up to drag shows. At the end of the day, I think that we need to understand that transitioning gender is not an answer to whatever they're feeling. Neither says she's nothing against drag per se. The problem, she said, is sexualization of children. For evidence, Nieder points to some few clips of footage aired by Carlson and countless other right-wing activists. The pink neon signs with crude message. I don't see it anything differently than it, like a stripper. I just think that having an event like this is just inappropriate. It gives kids a skewed idea of what's appropriate and what's not. Researchers see the work of groups like Neiford as a part of a broader political playbook, but someone say the obsession, da, 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 despite devoting her life to complex issues, Never sat down and talked to Trevor Projects. She told you yesterday she opens doing so. We're totally willing to sit down. So typically, so when Patriot uh, Protect Texas Kids posted its pop-up protest, people were followed right wing. Her post came, became a kind of force multiplier for Andrew Distillery, but it got the restaurant noticed by all the kinds of people who weren't interested in drag. Storm at the City Hall. I already read this, where they tried to stop it. Drag performers. All right, we're just going to go down to the bottom. Let's just read the ending. In the end, all through the fall and the months after the hot day in Anderson, after the emails and phone calls and speeches at New City Hall, a few other things will happen. Elon Musk will buy Twitter and trigger a nearly daily stream of new controversies. Suspended from the site, Summer will join at the Protect Texas Kid account will continue targeting drag events. Twitter will instead suspend the Elm Fork John Brown Gun Club. The outrage among right-leaning media over drag shows will show little sign of stopping. It's certainly a huge moral crime that nobody would accept, Tucker Carlson said. Sexuality in children is totally wrong. It's the most wrong thing of all and just shows how totally passive and out of the rest of us are that we don't we haven't acknowledged that and done something about it, actually done something about it. A month after the da- the Colorado shooting, extremely heartbreaking, but all happening but far beyond Oak, Oak Street. Right now, in this moment, a crisp fall, Texas day, the kind of clear day that makes it easy to forget about the summer. The classic cars on display and the band is playing at the top of City Hall, Stars, and Jay Anderson. I'll be right there to see you, he says. The customers arriving at the door. People take their free food samples and wander on farther up Oak Street to the other restaurants where they take more samples and vote on line for their favorite. After this day, the voting will take a surprisingly long time to tally, and for 11 days, the city will have no announcement. Finally, someone will call City Hall to inquire what happened in the cook-off, and Jay will learn who won. It's exactly what I thought it would be. So, that's once again, what our media is and will always be because they see it as good and needed when we see it as child abuse. And we are the majority, but we're silenced. And guys like this, just read the article, read the article. Nowhere in that article did he say it's a political ploy by the left to, to make little activists. He didn't touch it once. I'll tweet it. But let's go into woke and see some more of these 
great people. Turn it up, turn it on. Rock it like we bad to the bone, get on the floor. Running loose, gotta put this to let feet to you. If you need education in the party scene, as you think you can dance with me, this ain't no joke. Turn up, let's get woke. influencers and Twitter users blasted a Time Magazine article for suggesting exercise has racist roots. The article is titled The White Supremacist Origins of Exercise and six other surprising facts about the history of U.S. physical fitness. A history professor interviewed for the article made the case that racism motivated the fitness movement and exercises like running led some to believe people of color were committing a crime. As you can imagine, Time Magazine was heavily mocked on Twitter with critics arguing the article destroyed any remaining credibility that they have. I mean, Jillian, I, look, I'm an American of Mexican descent. I have been on the receiving end of racist comments for sure. But I can tell you, I get tired of people out there connecting every single thing in our life to racism. The day he left me was the day that I died. And I was reborn as a witch. You name it. And no one knows the magic of Christmas quite like the modern girl. Let's meet Dylan and see what she has planned for the holiday. Now.
picked up my seven-year-old from school today and the teacher looked super grave and was like, hey, we can we have a private discussion? Asked my kids, because I'm a five-year-old with me, to go talk to the other kids so we wouldn't be overheard. Apparently, the teacher came over and joined my daughter's conversation because she heard her say the word gay. She asked my kid what she was talking about and uh, my kid answered that, y'all you know sometimes you can be a boy or a girl, but you don't have to be either. Like sometimes you're like neither or both. And so, yes, okay, that's non-binary. And I had that discussion because I came out to my daughter. The teacher then said to me, I made sure she knew she wasn't in trouble and I don't care what y'all are learning at home but that is not appropriate for her to be discussing at school. And so can you please help me by telling her to not bring that up or discuss it again? Because, and I quote from the teacher, you know, I might have feelings about it or some of the other kids might have feelings about it. And then they go home and talk to their parents and the parents come to me and think that it's, I'm teaching them these things. So you have feelings about it. And then they, she doubled down and was like, you know, it's just, it's just not age appropriate. Even if being trans was not a thing, non-binary was not a thing, there are still children that are born that are intersex. And acknowledging that there is more than just boy and girl, especially in a classroom where she comes home crying because apparently she's not allowed to like black because it's a boy color and somehow that is okay. Um, so not okay. Another piece of evidence is the use of Western scientific categories to describe information, to describe histories, instead of using indigenous perspective about meaning, worldview. What happens in this type of strategy is you see artifacts displayed, static, alone, isolated, without a human story. And we also see a homogenization of Native histories, of Native peoples, stripping away the complexity and difference of over 500 Indigenous nations today. These systems of classification dehumanize Native history. And many of our perceptions have been informed by colonizers, trained anthropologists and museum workers just like me. In those museum spaces, physical, spiritual, harm is caused. So it makes sense that Native people would find museums to be harmful institutions. What is to be done? Well, simply put, we need to decolonize museums. Seems easy. Decolonization is the focus of my work at the Abbey Museum in Bar Harbor, Maine, developing practices to undo the harm. There are three ways we can look at this, three ways to break it down, if you will. One, decolonizing museum practices are collaborative. This means at the very beginning of a project, an idea, and activity, we work with Native advisors. We make sure it's a story that we have the right to tell, the right to share, the right to do. And we make sure Native advisors are involved as much as we can all the way through the project. They're at the beginning and threaded throughout the life of a project. We don't get halfway down the planning timeline and then think to ask somebody if we should be doing this. It's at the beginning. A second hallmark of decolonizing museum practice is prioritizing Native voice and perspective. I even go so far to say privileging Native voice and perspective. The vast writings of human history are written by white academics and observers. We must decolonize 
God, these fucking people. I mean, and they always look the same. Overweight, nerdish. They, they all have the same look. They're just not happy people. And in the process, they decide to take all their problems out on everybody else or come up with something to make themselves important. And this lady in, in that video, I mean, come on. This was about a wealth gap. And I just want to show you that overall... We think more like people than these wokesters. My tweet in response to the wealth gap was 20 years in the Army, stationed at 10 posts, had seven black battalion sergeant majors, six black first sergeants, eight black brigade sergeant majors. Black represent 34% of the Army, less than my MOS, yet they earned their position by working hard and being the best. Hard work will always beat woke work. And... To this time, that's the engagements. I didn't get any negative. Nobody had a problem with what I said because what I said was true. There's plenty of places in our society that show all this disproportionate proportionate all this stuff they talk about it's not true they just make it up as they go along so do some quick hits on woke then we're gonna do an army section because i'm running out of time gen c is rethinking college and career plans of post row i want to leave the country bye-bye Fascism fighting scribes says hateful homophobic hillbilly DeSantis is investigating venues over drag story hours. And they are. Because we can have our morals. You get yours. We get ours. You have your values in your blue states. We have ours in our states. What is wrong with that? The left just doesn't like anybody being different. An article from The Spectator. Rachel Levine must explain misinformation over gender-affirming care. And here is a short policy with, I don't know who this individual was. This guy doesn't even try to look like a woman. Uh, one area that where we see this play out is in gender affirming care. Uh, you are trained as a pediatrician. You've worked in this area. It's very hard watching uh, clinical health issues become political footballs, but that's what they are. And so I wonder if you could help us understand the clinical side of this, the medical side of this, the evidence-based side of this, and help us understand if there's a way forward on these issues that is really based around medical and clinical evidence, uh, setting aside, of course, the, the political challenges associated with these issues. 
Well, th thank you for that question. And it really fits squarely into um, all of our work on health equity in general. So this is health equity as it applies to the LGBTQI plus community and particularly to the transgender community and to uh, gender diverse youth and adults. You know, LGBTQI plus individuals and particularly youth suffer health disparities and health inequities. Uh, they are more likely to have um, health issues and more likely to have mental health issues particularly depression, anxiety, risk of suicide, et cetera. But I wanna make it clear, there's nothing inherent with, e with being LGBTQI+. There's nothing inherent with being transgender or gender diverse that would predispose someone towards these mental health issues. It is the bullying, the discrimination and harassment that LGBTQI plus people face, youth face, particularly transgender youth, that lead to these negative mental health issues. Studies show that transgender youth that are affirmed by their uh, and accepted by their family and community and receive evidence-based evaluation and treatment have excellent mental health outcomes. They also show that transgender youth that are not accepted by their family or community and do not have access to the state-of-the-art evidence-based care have significantly more mental health issues. So from my perspective, um, gender-affirming care is medical care. Gender-affirming care is mental health care. And gender-affirming care is suicide prevention care. There is a strong evidence base for gender-affirming care for youth, adolescents, and adults. And the standard of care is established by an international organization called WPATH, or the World Professional Association for transgender health. And it has a US arm called US Path. Um, and there are regular meetings and journals and, um, and research that is done and has been going on for, uh, for a number of decades now. And a very strong evidence base for the standard of care treatment. Now, WPATH's previous standards of care were published in 2011. And they are coming out with a new standard of care in this summer. So in this summer, we will see the eighth edition for these uh, new standard of care um, for, uh, for, um, for young, for youth, for, for teens and for adults uh, and for seniors. Um, the evidence base for this, again, is very, very strong. For youth, where a lot of these questions have come up, um, much of this care is provided at our nation's children's hospitals. You know, I've been in Pennsylvania before I recently came to DC and it's provided at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, Penn State Children's Hospital, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Children's Hospital, uh, DC um, um, uh, uh, Children's Hospital, Children's National Medical Center in DC, Boston Children's Hospital in, uh, in Boston, uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, Seattle Children's Hospital, I could keep going, um, across the nation by pediatricians, adolescent medicine specialists, pediatric endocrinologists, child and adolescent psychiatrists and psychologists. So really quite expert uh, physicians and psychologists and, and nurses and others and providers. Um, and so we really feel that um, medical experts should be able to decide you know, the, 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 this treatment upon the best medical evidence as we do with all other medical conditions. And that evidence continues to grow and we make some changes and adjustments in the guidance as we do in all other medical 
conditions. And so the, the, it is just um, extremely challenging that this issue has been politicized and that states are, are getting into this, this space, which really should be between medical providers and young people and their families. So that is where we are. Um, but many states have done this from Texas to, uh, to Florida to Alabama. Um, I have spoken in Texas a month ago. I'm going to Florida next week uh, to speak about this. And, and again, to emphasize that this is evidence-based standard of care, the way we treat other medical conditions, and we should let medical experts, families, and young people decide their own care. I'm really struck by the where you began the answer to that question. And it reminds me of the evolution that we've had around discussing racism. You don't have to go very far back at all, where the view that worse health outcomes for African He's not even trying. It's like, that's how he got his job. Because once again, everybody wants to angle. What's his angle? He looks like a middle-aged man, middle man in a dress. I, I don't, just don't get it. If you're going to be a female, be a female. I, I, I'd have less problem with most of this if you didn't have mustaches and all that crap. But you are working an angle. You're just working at an angle, and nine out of ten stories that come across my desk are of trans men accosting female or stopping females. I mean, it's all over the fucking place. I'm left with a hundred dollar book de Noel for ten people, and no one place to go. No place to go. My friends cancel Christmas dinner. Should I end the friendship? A lot of these articles came up. I looked at her in disbelief. Karen Guest throws a fit at Christmas gathering after seeing tampons in the host bathroom. That's how they're made. Waffle House services customers demanded refund because hash browns were cooked in oil. Have you never been to a waffle house? And then my favorite was... this lady about Christmas presents. Hi, TikTok. Um, I am so happy to see all of the positive and uplifting comments that a lot of you guys left on my last video not just towards me, but also towards all of the other women who were able to relate to my video. It's, it really sucks that for most of us, it's so normal. But we also know that as a mom, like our kids, they come first. Um, a lot of the negative comments don't bug me and I don't feel any type of way because that was one video into one day of my life. Um, I also want to explain why it, it was such a big deal for me that my husband didn't give me anything for Christmas this year. Because, yes, we've been married seven years. 
together for almost 10 and my husband has never really got me anything for any occasion. You're looking at Christmas different. I'm just saying it's not that's not what it is. And then as promised, here is a guy working the charging of a Tesla in the winter. And when we come in, it's time for Military Corner. Green, let's jump in. Let's take a look at how long it takes to start. Okay. So, right now... Wow, that was really a hard slam for a cold car. I know. It's <laughs> like a brick. It's like a brick. So we have heated seats on, no climate though. Got dragon breath growing. Cool. So we're getting five kilowatts right now from the charger, but you can see we're getting zero miles an hour, plus or minus. And that means nothing's going into the battery pack, but five kilowatts is going to the battery heating. And the way the Model 3 heats the battery pack is really super neat. It actually runs the front motor and rear motor as waste heat. So it runs them inefficiently, creating, I think, up to seven kilowatts, three and a half kilowatts each as waste heat. And then that'll go into the battery pack. But wow, this thing is so frozen. We've plugged into a supercharger at 35% state of charge, indicating we're only getting five kilowatts. That is amazing. And nothing is going into the battery. I mean, it hasn't even started to charge yet. So what time is it now? 8.13. We plugged in probably at 8.12, something like that. Let's see how long it takes until we start getting this mile per hour. I hate mile per hour as a metric of speed of charging, but it's a good indication to know what's actually when it starts going into the battery pack or when it's just kind of freezing it, or I should say defrosting it. Freezing it? I'm so cold. I can't even think. <laughs> no. Look at this. Battery is heating. Charge rate will increase once battery is warm. Next time, navigate to supercharger. <laughs> I love that. It gives us all of the, uh, all the tips. High usage supercharging station. Nice that Tesla gives you this. Here's six kilowatts going into the heating right now. Zero going into the battery pack. Very nice. Looking very good. Wow, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> Look at this. Battery temperature low. Charge rate limited by low battery temperature. Vehicles improving battery temperature to increase charge rate. Really nice that they give you all this data. Really nice. Tesla just does this stuff better than anyone. Pretty interesting that that cable on the end though was so icy I couldn't even get it to plug in. And this one yeah. was a little crunchy going in. I wonder if it's just the happens of people using them and that one just hasn't been used well, we, since this whole uh, freezing state. No, they all have been used because I've uh, been here and they've all been used. Okay. Uh, but remember today we drove by and you saw them sitting in the snow? Yeah. I think they kind of froze a little bit in there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's sit here. Let's wait with the heated seats on and let's see how long it takes till it starts putting energy into the... We've been sitting here in the toasty warm Rivian waiting for the uh, Tesla, just as a fun experiment, of course. And uh, Alyssa mentioned it went up a percent, but we haven't added anything to the battery pack. So can you guess as to why? Uh, well, I remember that it lost percentage overnight. So it's actually just gaining you're close. You're really close. I, you did mention it and you said it, but it just went. So remember that blue section of the battery? Yeah. Where it, you know, basically limits it's that like, part. Like a buffer? Yeah. It basically yeah. says, hey, I'm going to need this much to heat up. Okay. Uh, as it's warming up the battery, you'll actually start to gain that back. 
and the displayed state of charge here is after the, the cold section is taken over. So it, the actual state of charge of the battery hasn't increased. It's just a software thing that says, hey, I'm warming up, so I need so less what, buffer. What was it at? 36%. It has now been a full half hour and no energy has started to been added to the battery pack as of yet. Uh, two kilowatt hours have been delivered from the charger to the car. The supercharger is pretty much all but emptied out at the moment. And um, that's just so interesting to me. I didn't think it was gonna take a half hour to start charging. This is super cool. It really shows you the importance of on-route battery preconditioning. A little tip for a lot of new electric car owners or for people who may watch this video and think, hey, why is it taking so long for this car to charge? This is a very extreme case, something you'd never run into really in the real world. I'm just doing a test. Since World War II, America's Contingency Corps has answered the nation's call to serve across the globe in the defense of liberty. 2022 was no different. From our rapid deployment to support our NATO allies in Europe, to our ongoing missions both at home and overseas, the 18th Airborne Corps showed the world once again that we are ready to deploy, fight, win, survive, and thrive. This is who we are. Today, more than 100 troops left out of Fort Bragg. 1,700 members of the 82nd Airborne are moving into position in Poland. 300 assigned to the 18th Airborne Corps are in Germany supporting a joint task force. The 3rd Infantry Division are joining NATO allies in Europe right now in a response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. They're specifically trained to deploy on any battlefield in the world within hours, ready to fight. Today I'm finally moving in to the new room.
imagine what's going on in your head right now. Every day you're on the run, you're digging a hole that you may not be able to get out of. I'm not running from the CIA. Then why are they chasing you? A small group of hardline Russians formed a plan to preserve the USSR. Use a nuclear strike to create chaos. The weapon has been built and it is on the move. The US can't go anywhere near this. We don't have any wiggle room to make mistakes. If you don't come in, you will be recalled. I come in now, a whole lot of people are gonna die. You're about to cross a line and there may be no going back. Because I'm trying to do the right thing. It was never just about a nuke. This is about starting a world war. Jesus. Someone was playing a very dangerous game. We have to eliminate Jack Ryan. Jack, every second matters. What are you doing? Improvising. Jack, if you've got a plan, the time is now. Go, go! I want Jack Ryan in custody immediately. So what are the odds this is a one-way trip? 80, 90%. That's my last fight won't be in coach. Well, isn't that a kawinky dink? I went to hit record after I did some editing down to get you under two and a half hours, and I somehow forgot to turn the volume off on this background. So it's like helicopters and me talking. So we'll do it again. These are the um, finalists for the Army's uh, 2022 year in photos, which I thought was pretty badass. So it's one of my favorite of the back, of, back end of a CH-47 inside one, a tank. One of my fondest memories of Fort Irwin is our first live fire. I'm a grunt, never been around tanks. I'd done live fires back in the day in Korea, but it was M60 tanks and we were in 113s. And they told me to go up and check the miles gear on somebody because they knew he was going to fire a live round and it went off and I landed on my ass. I had no earplugs. I hated them. They laughed. It was funny. Oh, helicopter shot. I drove one of these for a little while in 1986 in Fort Richardson. A lot of fun. One of my favorite photos when they're wreathing or flagging the cemeteries, a graduation, and a badass photo. I think it's a Bradley. So let's go through this. We're once again going to fuck around with the PT test because we have not been able to get females to pass it. They tried to go the unisex. So now we have another secretary of the army is going to do a women, men, women's initiative stuff again. It's like it's 1994 all over again and I'm a drill sergeant. They just can't stop woke in the military. Army reactivates 11 Airborne, badass. Um, back in the day, um, it was the 172nd Infantry Brigade. And to this day... This is my favorite patch. You got the Big Dipper and the North Star and Mountains. It was cool. And then it became the 6th Infantry Division, which was a six-pointed red star. 
It's been the 25th, all sorts of things. So it's nice to see an old unit get repatriated reinstalled I think I was getting it that pre-enlistment uh, course and back in the day it was uh, delayed entry and so you would go in your junior year in high school and do basic and then after you graduated you go do AIT now they're doing a pre-course because people are so out of shape because all they do is play fucking video games they can't pass the PT test and, and I guess it's working so I mocked it shame on me Military.com, 10 top stories. Number one, they said the rise in military suicide is a mystery. TBI may be the answer, and of course it is. Young and dying, veterans are getting brain cancer and struggling to get benefits. How a church allegedly scammed millions in VA money from vets. 40 years later, Vietnam Veterans Memorial stands the lasting statement on war and remembrance. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen the traveling one and it's smaller but very moving um, 58,000 a lot of names Michael Grinson's quiet war to help make the army more lethal wokeness hysterics be damn inside recruits journey to space force these troops bought guns on base then they use the firearms to take their own lives 10 deaths in 10 months, string of suicides on a single aircraft carrier. How two American veterans ended up in Ukraine, prisoners of Russian militia. 10 months later, Afghan refugees labored to build new lives in the U.S. because Biden and men didn't give a fuck and left most of them. A lot of suicides. We talk all about Trevor Project and the transgenocide was the word that Warren used on the campaign trail, but they have no proof because it's like, 30 people, and most of them are domestic violence when you go on and check it. But we're still at a 12 to 15 a clip veteran. Media doesn't give two shits. You know, this guy from Gannett ain't doing an article on that. Soldiers inspire a new army directive to parenthood, pregnancy, and postpartum policy. And that is fucking fantastic. You think I'd be a guy that'd scoff at it? I was in the field for the first child. The second child, two weeks later, I was in Korea for 18 months. My wife had to deal with two toddlers and move. It was that bad. And finally, the Army eases tattoo restrictions with new policy. I knew this was coming. They can't get people to enlist because all... Admin, all they've shown is that they're going to woke the military. So these kids are like, fuck that. The guys that want to go in. Secondly, they call them all racist. And there's all these stories about how vets are extremists. So you're not going to get the minorities to come in because their parents think that the army's full of a bunch of white supremacists. Remember, that's what Biden said. They're all a bunch of white supremacists. There's white supremacy everywhere with no proof. It's never proof. They don't have to. You can just generalize like this transgender shit and just say it's conservatives with guns. And then you go there and find out, oh, no, it's liberals with guns. So I've redone the section now that I fucked it up. Let's go into our last segment. This is America. Uh, Seven minutes. And Zandowski, Zandafri, whatever the fuck her name is, more fascist shit dripping out of her mouth. America. Don't catch you 
It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America. Great. Um, so what has popped up in the online space and offline too, because I talk to people all the time and I hear this in real life, is just a host of you know crazy conspiracies um, that sometimes have a seed of truth, sometimes don't. They're pushed by um, a couple of classifications of people. I would say one is um, medical disinformation agents that want to sell you something, maybe a gas mask, maybe a uh, supplement, maybe vitamin C that they say will uh, cure your coronavirus, maybe a dangerous type of bleach that's being sold um, for this purpose on Facebook right now. So that's, you have those guys. And then you have um, political ideologues that want to sell you maybe an anti-China message, that want to increase your distrust of um, China. Even, so we have Senator Tom Cotton, um, who sort of made the rounds on Fox News and other places, just asking, asking questions. Maybe the virus developed in a research facility in Wuhan. What could be the purpose of that? And the implication is he's, <laughs> what he's doing is he's dog whistling these um, online articles that have been claiming that the Wuhan virus escaped or was released as some sort of biomedical weapon to the Chinese people for population control. Maybe the Americans engineered it. There's all these splinter conspiracies that come off of this, but those are the main ones. And then you have the clout chasers that um, just sort of it could be anything really. Coronavirus just happens to have a very long tail. So they've come because they have Instagram accounts that they want to get lots of likes and followers for. The most popular coronavirus um, video on Instagram had millions of views, like 42 million views or something. And it was like a guy eating a bat and mice. So that sort of spreads xenophobia. It gets people to like be shocked. And that's what shocking content really moves online. So this guy, he was a, he uh, was a, a penny stock guy, he, not a doctor, not any sort of expert on coronavirus, but he was the, he, his video was the video that everybody saw. So those are the main people that are sort of leaping on to this virus and spreading them the worst of it. It comes in a climate where um, anti-vaxxers on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook have made huge inroads in, in attempting to persuade people that uh, vaccinations uh, will kill their children. And so it, it, it's in this climate, too, of distrust within the American um, information ecosystem. But did it make it more difficult? And does it make it more difficult? Because we see China reporting thousands of, um, now thousands of deceased people, but certainly tens of thousands of critically ill people. And it, that is a, a country that doesn't have an open web. So what's filling our knowledge base is the combination of uh, a propaganda machine in China that may or may not be telling the truth and then anything else we can kind of fish out. And like you're saying, there are also really important scientists on Twitter who are, who are constantly sharing scholarly, uh, scholarly work. And, and a lot of the European and American doctors have what we could consider trusted um, Twitter handles. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and a, a trusted social media presence. But does that particular situation of, of China and the lack of an open web there complicate this further? 
Oh, it's super complicated yeah. just for that reason. Yeah, and, and I mean, the basis of any good conspiracy is a seed of truth, right? right? So we're not getting a lot of information out of there. And we saw how, you know, China famously dealt with the SARS epidemic, which was not being completely open and honest about when it originated, how fast it was spreading. So, so yes, and that complicates things. It also, you know, it complicates things even further, not having an open web and not, and being, uh, having such a hold on information that they do that it's almost like, it's almost like a game, right? In, in terms of research or people who are researching themselves right. are really looking to find information. And, and because you're looking for that information, because it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a riddle, it's a quest, um, it's been locked down. So our, 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 just, our natural inclination is to find it, find there what's in hiding. Brandy, there doesn't seem to be any conspiracy or question about the fact that over 100 million people are on quarantine at this moment as of our recording. And that, that's something that might be exaggerated or hyperbolized in the past. But that is unprecedented that in the midst of this, you have tens of millions of people who have been uh, relegated to their homes. And, uh, and, and also, we should believe that because China is saying that, but also because their travel policies that have been amended to try to stop the spread of the of the disease but i guess that that is a stunning figure which if true is something that you might think is a conspiracy but is not is fact 100 million people plus under home quarantine sometimes truth is stranger yeah. than fiction right. right i mean the things again i, I we're talking about anti-vaxxers or we're talking about people who distrust the medical community what you often see them using to fuel a conspiracy theory that has no basis in fact that we know of are real things that has have happened, right? Medical mistakes. Librarian, I believe that yes, people can always learn. Uh, <laughs> we, we think of this space and Claire Wardell at uh, First Draft and Whitney Phillips or uh, Syracuse are two of my heroes as um, information pollution, right? And so when you have a polluted environment, there are really two sets of actors who can make it better. You have um, the institutional reaction. So if you have a dirty factory, that factory cleans it up, right? So that's where we're hoping that Facebook and Twitter, who all met with the WHO last week and really made some real efforts to, to sort of get on the same page and work together to, to quell the misinformation that was rampant on the platforms. So you have that, but then you also have personal responsibility, right? So I recycle, I you know don't litter, those sorts of things. And I think that that's true for information pollution too. So you hopefully, we, we all have a responsibility to get our news on something that's so important from trusted news outlets, from you know peer review papers, from places like The Lancet, from the World Health Organization that all have, have done a really good job, especially now, sort of getting up to speed on the um, the way information spreads on social media. So they have, you know, debunking websites now. They have trackers where you can get that, that bit of information that we're so hungry for. We want to know, right? It's serious and we want to know what that is. So they've done a really good job sort of doing that. And it's up to us to not feed into the junk food diet of Facebook and Twitter and conspiracy sites and, and look for those, for those real um, sources of information. And together, those two working hand in hand, um, I, I, I think we can do it. I know it's a heavy dose of her today, like 20 minutes of the show, but I think it's really apropos of the, as they like to say, the information pipeline. 
what they have decided to do, the left, and that's why I'm disappointed with that article from that guy, even though I knew it. I read the top and then I went through it. And once again, you're not going to say politically for the left is advantageous for little trans kids. Little trans kids or little kids that like going to drag um, story hour become allies. Allies become voters and they become little activists. It's the whole purpose of the left to make sure everybody gets indoctrinated into their way of thinking. And then when people push back from that thinking, they sick the DOJ on you. They silence you. You have a Noel Roth who, Yoel Roth, who was literally like I, 12 hours for saying gender dysphoria and article 15. I don't know which one because they don't tell you when you get banned. But for 12 hours, I was banned for saying that it's a mental illness and it should preclude people from serving in the military. All other mental illness preclude people. You can't have ADHD. You cannot be on medication and join the military. It is a disqualifying thing of all sorts. Anxiety. It doesn't matter. You're not getting in. But we let trans people come in because it's woke. And woke gets to take over and go across all the things. And I say... As a person who fought in war and served for 20 years and was a drill instructor, the military is hard enough without having, I don't know who I am. And that's what trans is all about. They're questioning who they are. And that's not good. So we silence it. In this last bite with her, the information, we must silence it. What are the things that were on social media that they banned? Ivermectin, mass work, people said it didn't. The vaccine doesn't stop you from transmitting or getting the virus. That was quelled. All those things are true. And now the government has said it after the noble lies. But when is it one party's place to say what you can say and not say, what information is proper information. Because once again, we're getting into morals and values. And a person who's been all over this goddamn country and seen almost every state except for Vermont. And what was the other one I haven't seen? It was Vermont and uh, Hawaii. Been everywhere else. Every part of this country is different. It's a beauty of America. It's why I love this country so much. You can go everywhere and it's different. Their morals, their values, what they believe in, what they eat, what churches they go to, whether they don't go to church. It's what makes America great. And this country is vast where you can live, where you feel your values. I'm in a state that I felt as a ex-liberal out of Beaverton, Oregon, raised to be a tree hugger, climate warrior, uh... Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, yellow, red, and black, and white, they are something, I can't remember the damn song, but I hated racism, I hated this, I hated that, I was totally raised a feminist. By the time I retired in the army in 2005, Tennessee is where I felt I could live because I could live my own life. I didn't have people telling me how to live and I wasn't telling other people how to live. We still live at the old adage of America, if you want to be a fucking trans unicorn, be a trans unicorn. And I don't care. That's your business. It's none of mine. But we're in an age where the media elite 
the social media companies, and specifically the Biden administration and the DNC, believe it's their business to tell you what to think, how to think, what to eat, what to drive, and that's not American. So, of course, people are pushing back. And the majority of Americans believe, other than Democrats, where it's only 49%, that there are only two genders. The majority of America believe kids should not be taking hormones or sex changes till they're of age. They can dress like little girls if they're a boy, or they can do whatever they want. It's your kid, but you shouldn't be doing these surgeries. And really, what this article failed to cover is the political side of the left. And this picture that I put up incessantly. Hospitals are forcing this shit. It's big money. We've played the Vanderbilt clips. They're making money off this. And a bunch of a bunch of parents start going to school boards and saying, stop, local community going, no, we're not having that in our library. Our tax money pays for it. And you can't have Christian story hours. A motherfucker couldn't walk in there and read one of those creepy Donald Trump books with a creepy Donald Trump teddy bear in his hand. So why can you do that with tax dollars? And they're considered terrorists and the DOJ go after them. The DHS says, or the um, Department of Education sends fucking letters, tells people to send them letters for the National Teacher Association and say we need to crack down on these people. And then they go after Libs of TikTok and Tucker Carlson for playing what they're saying. It isn't like they made it up. It's not like they manipulated it. They're playing, as I have done since 2016 on this little old podcast, what they say. It is their words. It's them saying they're doing this on purpose to make sure kids are good allies and how adults need gratification and acceptance from children. It's so bad that it is grooming. It would be considered grooming if it was right wing, but you can't even say grooming and get banned off YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And I didn't cover it in the last two episodes, our year in review, but let's be honest. You need only look at what the media did when Twitter changed hands to see these people want to crack down on any other thought than what they're selling. They're all like Chuck Todd, a guy who was a lib staffer, is married to a major damn political strategist who had a birthday party for Jennifer Paul Mary in his home, who never pushes back on a liberal, runs shows where he says we're not going to have the other side because the science is settled, And then gets mad when America votes for Trump. Gets mad when things don't go their way. And I didn't cover the 2022 election. But let's be honest. If the Republicans were mailing out whole battle, fucking whole 
voting roster, not verifying signatures, or in the case of Arizona, the person running for governor is overseeing the vote and the recount, and in that vote and recount, only 25% of tabulators worked, and the paper was projecting a 20-inch picture on 19-inch paper, and it wouldn't count. And then they ran out of paper, and all the people in line were conservatives, but I never heard any voter disenfranchisement from the liberals in the media, which it would be if they were Democrats. And a wave that every poll showed, liberal poll show, stopped, and they didn't actually gain that many seats because of this new voting technique they did, and it was the Republicans. It goes back to 2020. If Donald Trump would have won with 81 million votes, the most votes ever tabulated, after having Barack Hussein Obama win twice, and you knew every African-American, every woke white person voted for those elections, and he couldn't even breach, what, 65 million? Raskins, Cheney, and all the other liars over there who say we shouldn't be questioning elections, but have questioned the 2000, 2004, 2016, and the 2018 elections. And Stacey Abrams is still a debutante running around. I'm just saying, those election, that election would be fucking way in question. We'd have hearings on it. But instead, we drug out the January 6th event as the worst thing that's ever happened after whole cities got burned to the fucking ground. And we didn't... We didn't go after Antifa. We didn't find out who financed the buses that were tracking these people all the way, all the way into Washington, D.C. to beat up Republicans, including Rand Paul. The same people are talking about this fear of anti-trans taking out power stations that they can't actually prove. They're just saying it. We didn't hear that. That actual politicians were getting pushed around and their wives were being accosted by protesters from the left. See, Google can suppress, Twitter can silence, Facebook could suppress, the media could not cover anything like they didn't for the Twitter files that we actually know now that federal government is suppressing speech through the FBI who's only going after pro-life people and January 6th people, but they're ignoring all other crimes and murders. They didn't even cover it because they don't care. They want this. And Brandy Zandrowski, Brian Seltzer, all the rest of these journalists no longer are journalists. They're advocates. But they've said it over and over in their heads since 2016 that the right is evil. They're all homo, transphobe, racist, xenophobes, feminazis, fucking Nazis, white Christian nationalists, super mega, uber mega, mega mega, proud boys, QAnon. I mean, the year in review by a journalist forwarded by Zandrowski and Seltzer and everybody was talking about January 6th. And they went so far that they released his fucking taxes. And now have stopped preemptively the investigations into the big guy, Hunter Biden, a story that would be wall to wall if it was about a Republican.
an actual laptop showing a child who's a fucking crack addict beating up on whores, throwing guns and dumpsters and getting millions of dollars from foreign adversary that brought that Biden's on record saying he had somebody fired. That's a video. It's not manufactured. It's all over Twitter. So try as they might. The media will continue into 2023 silencing and in 2024 will be full court press that a guy that literally reads, say the line again, end of quote, shakes hands of ghosts. His wife has to light lead him around because he doesn't know where he's at. Is the guy we need to vote for. And DeSantis, insert name, whoever the Republican is, is a Nazi fascist coming out of the mouths of people like Zendrowski, who is a full-fledged fascist. Every definition of the world, she's a word, she's a fascist. She wants to silence people. These people want to silence thought. Remember. On a year in review last time, I read what Democrats think that everybody who doesn't want to be vaxxed should be in re- internment camps, re-education camps. They are the fascist. And as a non-mega, non-conservative, independent, there is nothing more dangerous than a party that has an entire media complex of ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, New York Times, WAPO, CNN, MSDNC, and Gannett, wall-to-wall, nationwide, pushing their talking points, and in some cases, starting the talking points. That's dangerous. We, we have somehow, some way, in the age of Trump, you know what I'm pulling up, boys and girls. Where is it at? That's what we have. That's why I do a podcast. It isn't about GOP. You don't hear me say the GOP is great. They're pieces of shit. They're just Democrats light. We have state media. It's never been like this. It was always biased. 95% back in the day of journalists identified as liberals and voted as Democrats. Now it's 99%. And they're the ones every day saying, we, this is the most important election ever. We must save democracy. Democracy is in peril from people who say, if you don't agree with me, if you don't agree in what I am saying, you're a terrorist, you're Bull Connor, you're a racist, it's Jim Eagle. How many speeches did he do in 2020 and 2021? Basically saying all the people who disagree with me are garbage people. They're Nazis. And it's the majority of America. 
these journalists who live in bubbles don't realize this is the majority of America. The majority of America doesn't believe in the LGBT push or CRT. The majority of America do not believe in open borders. The majority of America see our media as an enemy to free speech. Our media has become an enemy. It's the only thing Trump ever said I agreed with. Because since 2016 on this podcast, all you hear from then is, shut up. Your opinion is wrong. You need to do what we say, what we think, what we believe. I mean, we just read a whole article. Where was the deep dive on the people with guns? That's why the fucking article didn't go nationwide. That's why that wasn't a national story. They say it's conservatives with the guns, and then a guy from Gannett goes and finds out it's not. They're just out with placards. Exercising the freedom of speech afforded to us in the Constitution, wanting to be taken away by a bunch of media elites who live in New York, who've never been to the South, but they run those great articles that the South is way of mine now, and it's evil. Because we believe in a God. We believe in a nuclear family. We believe people should be able to live in their home and be left the fuck alone and train their kids on whatever the fuck they want because they're kids. And all I've ever found out of the South, other than South Carolina, which was very volatile at the time because they still had the rebel flag above the fucking state capitol, is people who still believe in what we were formed on you live your life, I live mine. And when you infringe on that and you try to brainwash my kids, I ain't having it. It's the easiest argument that no liberal will ever answer. They ignore it. If this was Christian story hour, it would be unacceptable and it would be canceled. The library would cancel it. Because the right isn't good at the mob yet. They haven't figured out how to do mob campaigns and shut shit down. But this year, I will come to you twice a week. And it's going to start ratcheting up. By this time next year, January 1st or 2nd, I'm going to do a podcast in 2024. And they're going to be in election mode. And it could be a fucking potted plant. It is the greatest, most qualified president in all time. They will not cover any negative. They will not cover their campaign. They'll campaign for him just like they did for Biden. And whoever's the fucking Republican, which God help us not be Trump. If the GOP votes in Trump, they're not going to win. He won't win because the cabal, and I won't put the picture up, will come out in full. The cabal will stop him again, just like they did in 2020. And then they'll brag about it in Time Magazine. Whoever that person is, he's going to be a Nazi. That's what they do. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share this with family and friends. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with a K, Rumble, 482467. Send emails to foppodcast at gmail.com, please. Matt, just send me a go fuck yourself. Somebody send me an email. 
Tell me something you want me to cover. I will cover it in the next show. We're going to go with our next show on Wednesday, 4 January, Year of the Lord, 2023. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the fucking yeah yes. Spend time with your family. Have a happy new year. I know for me, as I said on the last one, in 17 days, I get my gallbladder out. I'm hoping that's a start. In three days, I have an appointment with the Vanderbilt Clinic on hopefully this COVID thing. And maybe they have some different medicine. And I'm hoping my year picks back up and I get a job and go back to work and be a productive citizen and stop wondering why I have fat-free soup at lunch and my stomach blows up. This morning was cereal. Did not like it. I didn't even have that much milk on it. I didn't eat the milk. I don't get it. But Thank you all for listening. Sorry to do back-to-back in a couple days, but my wife's doing a project. I figured it was better just to do it today. And tomorrow we're going to take our son out to dinner or lunch. It's his... 33rd birthday which is just scary i'm old so once again matt in tennessee or zach in tennessee happy birthday son and uh hope you're enjoying the youtube tv which is pretty cool thanks for listening folks take care